The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. Don't get stuck on your regrets because you can live a life of regret and not live your current life because you're so preoccupied with your past mistakes. That was the voice of Maury Schwartz, my old college professor, and I am Mitch Album, and you are listening to Tuesday People. Tuesday People is a podcast inspired by and based on a lot of the lessons from Tuesdays with Maury, the book that I wrote now nearly 25 years ago about my time with my old college professor when he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, and we spent every Tuesday together going over what was important in life now that he knew that he was going to die. And as you can hear in that particular clip, today we're going to talk about regrets. Every time I say the word regrets, I always I'm hear right. Frank Sinatra singing, <laughs> I've had a few, but <laughs> I, then again, too few to mention. Say hello to Elisa Goich, whose laughter you hear there, my friend and producer. Hi, Lisa. I'm right there with you, Mitch. Every single time you say the word regrets, I've had a few, yeah. uh, la, la, la. But uh, the truth Something is, the most curtain. of us have more than a few, and most of us don't end up saying, then again, too few to mention. It's actually kind of the opposite. We end up wallowing in a lot of our regrets. We end up spending way too much time. We mention them over and over to ourselves, to others. I should have done this. I should have bought that house. I should have gone into that other field. I should have married that other person. I shouldn't have started with this. I never should have gotten involved with that. Thinks about how many times we say those things. We're going to put that into some kind of perspective in today's show. Before we do that, though, I want to talk just for a minute about last week's show. Uh, the show comes out every Tuesday. And last week we did a show that really struck a chord with a lot of our listeners uh, based on the responses that we have gotten. It was about the perfect day. I had asked Maury Schwartz, who by that point was pretty much chair-ridden, bed-ridden, uh, needed to be carried from place to place. Uh, the ALS had advanced to a great degree and he really only had a couple of months left. And in that chair, needing to have his head turned just to look at me and needing to be carried to the bathroom, needing to have pretty much every physical act done by somebody else for him, I asked him if he could get a day back healthy, 24 hours, how would he spend it? And in my youthful naivete, I think I expected that he would say, uh, I would jet set to Paris and then fly off to Tahiti and uh, see this and, you know, and have the finest wines and get drunk and party and all these kinds of things. And of course, hmm. his response was nothing like that. His response was very simple. He wanted a simple day of a nice meal and lots of friends around the house and uh, then another nice meal and uh, go out uh, in nature and walk around, take in the world, spend the night dancing with friends uh, and fall into a deep, restful sleep. 
And I had said to him, that's so average, that's so normal, that's so ordinary. And he basically said, that's the point. A perfect day can be exactly that if you come to appreciate it that way. Well, a lot of our listeners apparently feel the same way. Uh, for example, uh, some of the comments that we've gotten from people, uh, one from a woman named Moira, uh, my perfect day involves lying in bed past the snooze alarm. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, for just a few minutes to snuggle with my dogs while I listen to the NPR news summary of the day. I'd leave out the news summary in my perfect day just because I don't want any news. Then I pad downstairs <laughs> to feed the pups, whip up some oatmeal, brew my coffee. I make my 10-second commute to my desk where I sit my coffee, look out my window with the birds, squirrels, rabbits, and occasional fox. Soon I start whatever writing project I have for the day. At some point, I take the dogs for a long walk through my neighborhood. The rest of the day, as I write with my two dogs snuggled up by my side, I wave back at neighbors passing by with their dogs and kids ah. who know to look up and see if I'm at my window. At the end of the day, depending on the weather, I light a fire, have a friend or two over for dinner, a glass of wine, or walk up to the local pub. Not the most glamorous day, but I feel lucky that it's my usual day. Ah, and yeah, Sounds perfect. Yeah, perfect because she gets to live it pretty much every day already, right? Uh, yep. Another another uh, a listener named Lynn, I'd spend it living at Mackinac Island, which we all know well mm -hmm. here in the state of Michigan, uh, in a little Victorian cottage on the West Bluff. I'd wake to magnificent sunrises, end my day watching the sun set beyond the Mackinac Bridge, and during the day write and photograph my future cookbook while at my desk huh. overlooking the Straits of Mackinac. Later, an occasional bike ride to town in my favorite coffee shop, a quick lunch, eating on the porch of the Grand Hotel. I'd live in Lily Pulitzer sundresses and sandals. Oh, and I'd be in high command for my large canvas acrylic paintings that I paint in the cottage. Very good. Yeah. I um, love that. I, yeah. I mean, these things are not very far-reaching. They're not impossible to imagine. A lot of people talk, a, a woman named Linda, a perfect day for me would be to start out pain-free. I'd wake up in a cottage on a lake or a mm -hmm. beach house on the ocean. My children and grandchildren and boyfriend would be there with me. Simple things, cup of coffee, great book by the water. Uh, another woman named Elizabeth uh, wrote, my perfect day would be spent with my entire family enjoying a cookout potluck style, various yard games, which lead to belly laughter, ending the evening with a campfire, viewing the clear sky full of stars, no insects involved. <laughs> I love that part. I'm with you on that. I I'm totally with her. But there's a lot of nature involved. There's a lot of eating and talking with friends. And it, it's amazing how many people say that's the perfect day. Mm -hmm. We had a wonderful call uh, from uh, a woman named Jolene. Listen to what she described as her perfect day. Hi, my name is Jolene. And my perfect day would be waking up in the morning and staring at my husband's handsome face longer than usual getting out family photo albums, getting antique books off the shelf and admiring the page and the print and the leather binding, taking my old Sears one-speed bicycle out into the country with my camera and photograph the Holstein cows and sing with them, and later in the evening, drive to Lake Michigan with my husband. I'm behind the wheel. He packs a simple dinner, and we stay on the beach and stare out to the sky till it's dark and it's clear and the moon is full and we try to count the stars and we laugh and smile at the impossibility to be able to do that. And then I say that's my perfect day and I'm grateful and thankful for that. And I would meet a new friend every day too, one who needs a new friend. 
See, I've been blind for 10 years. So these things that make up my perfect day are things that were always a part of my day. So until my sight returns, I'll keep that imagination in my brain stuck with those wonderful pictures and be thankful to God for what I do have. And thank you for your podcast. <laughs> I'm in tears. Oh, I'm crying already. It's only three oh minutes gosh. into the show. <laughs> that is uh, th- it's such oh. a beautiful message. Uh, even without the kicker, uh, the, the, the surprise ending that she's blind and the reason that those things are uh. so passionate to her is that she doesn't get to see them. It was such a beautiful day even before that uh, that she right. put together. And I, I think that's a good starting off point because it sounds like probably if you're listening, Jolene, you probably don't need this particular podcast uh, because it sure sounds like you are not stuck on regrets. And most easily, you could have been, you know, someone who, even though I doubt that Jolene's blindness has anything to do with anything that she did, it just happened. There are so many people who regret things that happened to them that weren't their fault. Uh, and, and, And yet they blame themselves or they torture themselves and they block themselves from having any real happiness because of that. So... Let's talk a little bit about that today and see if we can't get you to a point where your worldview is a little less on the regret side and a little bit more on the appreciation side. First of all, I I think a very good exercise would be to listen to that audio clip every single day of your life Uh, because it, it kind of touches on one of the first things I think that you can do to avoid regrets is to put your issues into perspective. We all think that our problems are the largest, even if intellectually we know they're not. Intellectually, you know if the biggest thing that you have going right now is that your boss is really a jerk and every day you go into work, you've got to deal with that jerk and you're unhappy about it and you're not making enough money to put up with this stuff. And then you hear about a quadriplegic, uh, someone killed by an IED in Afghanistan, uh, the helicopter victims on 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 the Kobe Bryant helicopter, things like that. And you know intellectually, you know intellectually that those are much worse problems than what you're dealing with. But in terms of how you absorb them. You hear that news and you say, oh, oh, that's a shame. Oh, that's too bad. But within a second or two, maybe if you're really compassionate, a minute or two, those things moved out of your mind and you're back to thinking about what? Your own problems, Mm -hmm. that lousy boss. Think about how much time you give to the things that are bothering you in your life that really aren't the biggest problems in the world. Take a stopwatch and, and, and just hit it every now and then when you're starting to think certain thoughts and shut it off when you stop actually thinking those thoughts and you might be amazed at how many minutes have gone by that you've given to that. Mm-hmm. And then think, well, when I get to the end of my life, whenever that is, if today was the last day of my life, if it's 10 years or 50 years from now, aren't I going to want to have that time back? Won't that be a bigger regret 
than anything else that I'll be feeling that I gave so much time to the boss or my workplace and I didn't enjoy my life. Right. So you can begin there by start thinking about, okay, well, what are my problems today? How much time am I going to spend on my problems? And the reason I'm putting this first is because this is a great exercise to start whittling down the day by analyzing the way you spend your time in a given day. Really be honest with yourself and kind of think, okay, whatever your problem is, whatever your issue is that's bothering you, did you think about it during breakfast? Did you think about it in the shower? Did you think about it on your ride to work? Did you think about it during the morning part of your work? Did you think about it during lunch? Did you think about it during the afternoon or on your ride back home? Did it crawl into your mind during dinner? Did it affect you while you were watching a movie? That there is about nine different times alone in a given day that you might have spent on that particular problem, ruminating on that issue over and over again. Well, multiply that by seven days a week and 52 weeks a year and think about how much time you're, you're just giving of your brain to that problem. So if you can start to cut that down, you can begin to take a step towards not having to regret all the time you spent thinking about something that ultimately worked its way out one way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. These things all work themselves out one way or the other. Even if they don't have good conclusions, they come to an end or whatever, but they, they work themselves out. And at the end of our lives, we look back and say, wow, all those years I spent, all that time I spent, don't have that regret. Don't have the regret of, you know, I wish I had my time back that I spent worrying about something. Because that is, that's really tough. Let's talk about some other regrets. If you are, like myself, more towards the end of your career and working years than maybe the beginning, what are the regrets you have about your work? A lot of people would have liked to have been something else work-wise. I think a large percentage of Americans, if you gave them the choice, when they put in after 20 years or, or more on a, on a given career, a lot of them would say, Lisa, if I could go back to when I was making my you know, decision, the crossroads, what I was mm -hmm. going to go into, I would have picked something else. I should have picked right. something else. I wish I picked something else. Have you ever had that? Yeah, personally, I have those for sure. I know my dad had something like that growing up because he never, they didn't have enough money when he was young to do what he wanted to do. He couldn't go to college. So because he couldn't go to college, he wanted to be like a graphic designer or something in the arts, never had that ability. So he ended up working for Chrysler, um, which was a great job, being a tool and die maker. So he could still use his creativity but I think he wished he could have been something more. I mm -hmm. wish I could have been a doctor. <laughs> and I know mm. that sounds strange with uh, since I work from the completely other side of my brain. But I think if I could have any other job in the world, it would have been to be a doctor. Hmm. I was a musician when I first came out of school. And I really, that was my first love. And uh, mm -hmm. then I eventually fell into writing and, and, and found a career there. Uh, but I'm sure I have many moments I look back on it and say, um, well, I wish I had been more successful as a musician. Uh, I wish I'd been able to make it as a musician. Then I had a career as a musician. And in fact, you know, Maury himself, 
I asked him, did he have any regrets? I don't want people to think like somehow he was uh, a saint and was above all that. I, I asked him that question and he answered this way. You know, I could have written more books or, you know, given more uh, therapy, you know, or done more good things. Also, I could have avoided doing some stupid things like, you know, hurting my back, not paying pretty careful attention to myself when I should have, you know. But I had no deep, deep regrets, you know. So you hear at the end, Maury says they're not deep regrets. This is another thing that we need to understand about regrets. Regretting something is pretty much, a, you know, human nature. I know there are some people out there who say, I don't regret anything. I do everything. I live in the moment, and I don't regret anything at all. Uh, I just move forward. I don't never look back. Well, okay, that sounds good in a movie or something, but it's not really true. Right. And, and the point true, of fact, no. if you never look back, how are you going to learn anything? You know, it's that whole thing about those who don't pay attention to history are doomed to repeat it. Well, if you don't look back, you're not paying attention to history, your own or or societies. And so, you, have, you, you of course, you're going to look back. And of course, there are going to be some things that you say, well, ah, I wish I had done that. But number one, as Maury says, was it a deep regret? Was it a deep, deep hmm. regret? Or was it just, it would have been nice? You can go through life all the time saying it would have been nice, but now think, all right, well, but if I didn't do what I ended up doing, if I didn't choose what I ended up choosing, would I know what I know now about myself? Would I understand the world the way I understand it now if I hadn't chosen mm -hmm. that? So for example, I ended up, I, went, I wanted to go into music. It didn't work out. I wasn't making it. I felt I was failing. So I went into writing. Sure, I could say I wish I had stayed in music, but look at what I would have sacrificed if right. I didn't. Then I never would have gone into writing. I never would have gone and seen Maury and written the book Tuesdays with Maury. That none of that stuff would have happened. We wouldn't be here on this podcast. So many other things that ended up happening that were good as a result of that fork in the road that I mm -hmm. could be focusing on and saying, Boy, wasn't I lucky that I ended up getting out of music because much as I loved it, look at all these other things that ended up happening for me. And I could look at it that way, or I could look at it as like, I, I regret the fact that I never did. Boy, you know, I should have done that. It's all, if you can look at that fork in the road and see the good things that came out from going to the mm -hmm. right instead of the left, you'll see a whole lot. And I think that's what we do sometimes when we have our regrets. We don't, we don't look at where we are now and what, what we did end up doing how that benefited us and benefited others. You right. know, it's, it's, it's a little like it's a wonderful life, but I think there's some truth to that. You know, I mean, I often do that. We talked on a previous episode about how I said my biggest regret was not having children. Right. And since that episode, I really had to think about that, you know, and perhaps if I had children, I wouldn't have done some of the things I've done to this point. And I might not be as close to my nieces and who I love right. like they are my children and their children. So it all works out. It all works out in the end, Mitch. Well, if you choose to have the perspective of it working out. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that, too, because I'm in the same situation. You know, my wife and I got married late. We tried to have kids, but it didn't happen. Could we have started sooner? Could I have been more... Uh, uh, speedy about it and 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 maybe said listen let's look at our ages and let's let's you know let's not roll the dice here uh right. sure 
Sure. And would I have loved to have had children of my own? Absolutely. But I, I'm pretty realistic that if I had been raising children of my own, the odds of me going to Haiti in 2010 and taking right. over an orphanage were pretty slim. I would have been, hey, I've yeah. got kids at home I've got to take care of. Now I have 52 children that I take care of, two of whom are right, right. in the, the, the house here where we're, where we're setting up the podcast because they're home from college on, a, uh, on spring break. And so they hang out here with us. And it's delightful. You wake up in the morning and I come down and here are two of our kids from Haiti. And good morning, Mr. That's Mitch. Good morning. How are you? And, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I wouldn't trade that for anything. So right. I choose to focus on what has happened positively from that fork in the road that could be focused on a regret. Now, let's move to another stage on that. Let's take the thing that you say I should have done. I should have chosen that other career. I should have chosen that other person to marry. I should have chosen that other location to go live in. I hate the snow. Why did I end up here, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Recognize you don't know what that fork in the road might have brought you in terms of regrets. That's true. So true. <laughs> Recognize that you are not only regretting something that you can't do anything about, you're also idealizing what yep. that scenario would have been. You're, you're creating the impossible scenario by saying, if I had just taken that job, it would have been a dream job. I would have been this by now. I would have, how do you know? Maybe that job mm -hmm. would have brought you into contact with a terrible boss, terrible scandal, terrible something that ruined you. You worked with someone who did something illegal. You wound up in jail. You know, there's all kinds right. of possibilities. Same thing about people. Oh, I should have married that other person. Oh, really? That's the one. Really? Oh. And how do you know your life would have worked? Are you, how is that any different than someone who gets married to someone who they're convinced that they're in love with, and then a year later they're having right. problems, two years later they're fighting like cats and dogs, four years later they're in divorce court, and, and, and six years later they, they, they defriend each other on Facebook and hate each other for the rest <laughs> of their lives. Okay. They started out positively right. also. So how do you know that that would not have ended up that way? It's amazing how our imaginations only want to imagine the good. That when we talk about regrets, we only we spend all of our negative energy on the side of reality and all of our positive energy on the side of the imaginary, of mm -hmm. the things that never happened. The never never land is always perfect in our minds. Real world right. is always fraught with terrible, oh awful. I'm looking at it from a why not take some of that pixie dust from the other side and sprinkle it over your view of your current circumstance? And say, well, yeah, this is a negative, but there's 10 positives. And here's a negative, but there's three more positives. And then use some of your negative regret energy over on that imaginary version. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, if I had married that person, I heard that uh, she ended up being, you know, kind of this, that, and the other. And, and uh, she ended up getting divorced from whoever she got married to. So that could have been me. Or, yeah, right. I took that job, but, you know, I read about that industry. There's a lot of stuff in there that ended up being really bad. I could have gotten caught up in that. If you want to use some negative energy, use it on the stuff that didn't happen to you. Right. You know, that'll keep you from daydreaming about how that would have been your perfect life. Here is uh, Maury's sort of explanation when I said, why do people have so many regrets? And here was his answer. We've got a form of brainwashing going on. And that's what that repetition is about. Commerce is good. 
owning things is good, private property is good, having lots of money is good, uh, more and more money is good, more uh, commercialism is good, more commodification, everything is made into a commodity, own it, that's all good. And it's all on the material level. So if you focus on those things, the things you don't have, the money you didn't make, the position that you didn't achieve, then you're probably always going to be disappointed because there's always going to be somebody who did better. There's always going to be someone who earned more. There's always going to be a situation that seems like it was better off. I remember, I'm not going to say what it was, but I remember being a gathering of um, some really wealthy people who, by comparison, I was I was way on the far low end. And I was with a friend who was kind of in the same situation as me. And we heard uh, two of them talking about whether someone should get a private plane or not because <laughs> someone else that they knew had just gotten a private plane. And when I talk about private plane, I don't mean a little Piper. I mean like a G5 right. or one a, of those things. A big plane. <laughs> and, 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 and you could see that one of these guys who was talking about it was kind of envious that he got one. He got, what did he get? Right. And you know, well, I, I ought to get one of those. And my friend and I, well, kind of off to the side, we said, you know what? It doesn't matter how far ahead you get. It doesn't matter how much money you earn. There's always going to be someone who has some more than you. And if you're the kind of person who looks at what other people has and say, why don't I have that? You're going to do that whether you have a dollar and someone else has $2 or you have $10 billion and someone else mm -hmm. has $20 billion. I'm sure some of the greatest envy in the world occurs between spots number one and 50 on the Forbes 400 list of wealthiest people in the world, you know? And right. they look at, look at you know, I'm number 42 this year. You know, I was, I was 36 last year. You know, what happened? What's going on here? You know, <laughs> this is terrible. We've got to move up. And that guy got up to number 32. It's, so it never stops. It's all about whether you want to take the attitude of appreciating what you actually have Versus right. what didn't happen to you. What didn't happen to you. So we've now talked about regrets when it comes to position or jobs, regrets when it comes to money, regrets when it comes to decisions about who you spent your life with or spent your time with, and, and a lot of stuff about who you ended up becoming. Much of this, by the way, it, it depends on sort of self-love. You know, if, if you are prone to self-hate, if you are prone to find something wrong with everything that you do, no matter what it is, you will definitely die with a lot of regrets because you're going to look at yourself as an imperfect production. You're going to see all the flaws and flaws are going to be, I should have done this. I should have done that. I, what's the matter with me? And so part of that is you need to just be nicer to yourself. And you need to recognize that there is no one in life, no one, who does everything that they want to do or gets a chance to go everywhere they wanted to go or experience everything that they wanted to experience. It's just that they don't spend time talking about what they're not doing or didn't get to do and spend time enjoying what they did. Go back to the comments that we played at the beginning or I read at the beginning of the show. You didn't hear anybody there say, my perfect day would be 
uh, calling the butler to bring me my breakfast and <laughs> hopping on my G5 and going to... It, it, there, there was remarkably little of that. I mean, we have dozens of responses here, and none of them right. talk about that. So again, these are people who have probably figured out that I, you know, I, I want to appreciate the simplicity of the day. So you, you, there's always going to be somebody else with more. So we've talked about all those kinds of elements that if you don't want to have regrets, maybe don't set your sights on everyone else doing better than you or the imaginary being better than your reality. Set your sights on appreciating your actual reality now, looking for the good in it and what what you can enjoy from it. Now, there's one other type of regret, and that is something that you did to someone else. I will tell you that I carried around a regret for a number of years over something that you'll probably find very silly, Lisa, but I'll fess okay. up to it. I'll fess up to it here and now because I I don't think you can host a show like this and not and not be personal and not admit your own mistakes as well. And and so when I was uh 16, 17 years old, I went to mm-hmm. the prom with my then girlfriend. We were kind of at the end of going out for a few months. She was a year older than me. She was going to go off to college. I was I had one more year to go. And the prom was kind of I, I I wasn't really into proms at the time. I didn't whole like the whole dressing up thing. She really wanted to go though, and so I did it and I got the tux of course. and did the whole thing and all. But I didn't have a great time. Uh and she was more hanging around with her friends at the thing and I didn't really know a lot of her friends. And anyhow, it ended up sort of being our last date, really. And after that, we just kind of petered out. And so Mm -hmm. about, I don't know, four weeks later, five weeks later, I got a a letter offering the prom pictures. And for whatever reason, they sent the letter to the guy back then. I I don't know why. Maybe I I signed something or whatever when they took the pictures. So they sent me this letter saying, do you want the prom pictures? Here's the prices and all the rest of it. And I basically, being a stupid 16-year-old, said, I don't want to spend the money on this. We're broken up, you know, uh, so, right. you know, that's stupid. So, no, I just didn't get them. Well, I found out through some mutual friends uh, about a couple months later that she was heartbroken by that because oh. despite the fact that we still weren't going out, those were that was her prom. And she wanted right. pictures from her prom to show her kids and, you know, one day in the future and all that. And now she would never have the prom pictures and there was no way of going back. They throw out the negative or whatever, you know, so it was lost. She couldn't call and do it. It was my decision and I had done it. And I had really just ignorantly not I just didn't consider her feelings at all. It never entered my mind. And when I heard that she was heartbroken and she was, had been crying about it, but of course didn't call me because we weren't talking anymore or anything like that, it was too late to do anything about it. And I always carried that around as a regret, different than a regret about like, oh, I should have been this or I should have been that. That was a legitimate regret of having done something that hurt somebody that right. I I felt bad about. And I carried it around for, oh my God, gosh, at least 10 to 15 years until fate brought us together again, accidentally at something. And I found out that she was in the area or whatever it was. I forget what I was doing. Maybe I was on a book tour or something. And I asked when someone said that she was around, I said, would you please ask her to come if she could? Please, please ask her to come. And she did. And 
Uh, as soon as the thing was over, I said, would you just please wait for me? I just want to talk to you for a second. And I finally got a chance to talk to her. And I said, <laughs> I have been waiting to say I'm sorry to you <laughs> oh for gosh. 15 years. Uh, I didn't know where you were. I didn't have a phone number. I didn't, you know, right. didn't keep up and all that. But I really owe you an apology. I did a terrible thing. And, you know, she's, she half laughed because at that point in her life, I don't think it mattered as much as it did back when she right. was 17 or 18. Yeah, But she was also touched that I had been thinking about it for all that time. And I felt such a burden lifted from me when I right. finally said that to her. And I said, boy, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've just been waiting 15 years to get so much. And then we had a nice conversation. She was married with kids and all. So my point on that is that's a regret that you can do something about. You right. can go back and ask for forgiveness you can go back and finish a conversation that you should have. You can go back and pay attention to somebody you didn't. You can go back and say you're sorry for things. And I think that those are things that you do need to do now so that you don't mm -hmm. take them to the end of your life and have them as a regret. Because those kinds of regrets, no amount of perspective on yourself is going to help you with. If you feel that you hurt someone, if you know that you hurt someone badly, and that you could have apologized, you could have asked for forgiveness, and you didn't, you're not going to be able to sort of work your way out of that in your head by saying, well, let right. me focus on what good I have or what I appreciate. And you shouldn't be able to because it's something that gnaws at your conscience for a reason. You were wrong about it. So if there is a chance to go and ask for forgiveness, then that is a very, very critical thing to do, and I, I, I think you should take the opportunity to do it. Well, first of all, I just want to say I love that you got to run into her again. <laughs> I yeah, just me keep too. thinking about this now. And that you had the chance to say this. Because um, first I was going to say I would have cut you some slack, like you should cut yourself some slack because you were 16 years old. And we all know that 16-year-old boys, freak, they don't really have <laughs> yeah. the, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> they right. don't really I have think that. I is pretty much what this sums it all up. Yeah. <laughs> They don't really have that capacity to be thinking so much. So, you know, that that should have just automatically cut yourself some slack because adult Mitch, of course, knows that that was the wrong thing. Right. But 16-year-old Mitch wouldn't have known that. But my question is, did you guys get a picture taken when you were with each other? No. Later? No. Ah. No, because she was ah, married and... Uh, yes, you know, still, you always that would have been a cool photo to have. You could have, yeah, you could have posed. We could like recreate Trump. it. Yeah, yes. I didn't. I was. I you didn't. I wasn't wearing a tux at the time or a corsage <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, so I don't think it would have done it. But you know, I have. I really, in my mind, I have thought a million times about. Well, I bet that company still exists, and I could track them down. And probably they, maybe they, maybe they didn't burn the negative. And I, you know, I spent so much time on that because I just felt bad having hurt somebody, and Aww. and and uh, and it's somebody who I really had cared about at one point. So, um, you know, it's just something that you can. That's a regret that you can do something about. So. Remember that there are two sort of kinds. The one that you're creating in your head uh, of the imaginary life that you might have had. And, and for that, we recommend you know focusing on the life that you do have, the good things that have happened as a result of it. How many people might be in the profession or with the person that you thought you should be with, whatever, who might look at your life and say, boy, I wish I had that. Think about all mm -hmm. the valuable things that you have. And then if there is a regret that you can fix, go fix it. Don't right. wait. Don't wait. Don't get to the end and wish you had said, I forgive you. You know, we did a whole show on forgiveness. Uh, and you can go back and listen to that. And, uh, you know, it was a very poignant one about Maury 
missing the opportunity to ask someone for forgiveness and then finding out that he had died from cancer and never right, having had right. the chance to do it, that really haunted him. So don't let that become yeah. one of your regrets. So I think uh, I, I'd love to hear from our listeners on this, just as we heard about the perfect day. I'd love to hear from you right. about what has been the biggest regret of your life, and is there a perspective that you found on it that has enabled you to make peace with it? Or did you, it, like in my case, you know, find the find the prom picture person all those years later and, <laughs> and address it? And how did you feel uh, about it? You know, are you haunted by regrets? Uh, write us or uh, leave us a leave us phone message and Lisa will explain to you how you do it. Yeah, you can leave um, written messages on our Facebook page. That's the best place. We have a lot of conversations that go on there at We Tuesday People on Facebook. It's a private group. We also post the questions on Twitter and Instagram also at We Tuesday People. And our phone line is 248-621-4701, 248-621-4701. Leave us a message and maybe we'll play it on the show. Yeah. And we thank you for all of those responses, and we thank you for joining us today. Spend today a little less regretful and a little bit more appreciative. You know, kind of do the analyzation of your day and, and think about how much time you're spending thinking about things that you can't do anything about or that are in the past, and how much time you're spending saying, wow, this is great. I'm really enjoying myself. Wow, this is what a blessing this is. Uh, my guess is, if you're like me and everybody else in the world, you're going to be tilted probably a little too much towards the focusing on what you don't have, what you didn't do side, and see if we can uh, tip the teeter-totter in the other direction. That's going to wrap up today's Tuesday People podcast. We do this once a week on Tuesdays, and we're so happy to have you joining us. Please feel free to leave us a comment, a rating, or anything like that. And until we see you uh, a week from now, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.